Welcome back to the Evolving Wellness Podcast. My name is Sarah, and on today's episode, I have Dr. Stone with me to talk about the thyroid, which is an overlooked health problem for a lot of people. And most doctors are only going to test for standard thyroid labs, which is just a TSH. Dr. Stone and I are going to talk about how to dig deeper and which test to ask for, some symptoms and signs that you might be having thyroid issues, even if your doctor is telling you everything is fine, everything is normal. I think this is an issue that affects so many people. So I want to get this episode out to as many people as possible. Make sure you head on over to Apple or Spotify, leave the show up to a five-star review so we can do that and share this episode out with a friend, especially if they are struggling with their thyroid. Dr. Stone's links again are going to be down in the show notes for you along with a bunch of other goodies like today's sponsors, which number one is Viva Rays. We talk extensively in this episode about how your circadian rhythms can actually impact your thyroid, believe it or not. There are tons of scientific studies that link thyroid disorders to disrupted circadian rhythms, a host of scientific evidence. All you have to do is go on Google and type in circadian rhythms and thyroid and boom, that's going to pop up. So if you're looking to protect your circadian rhythms, check out Viva Rays and use my code Yogi. They are a trusted source. I love, love, love their glasses. And the second sponsor of today's episode is going to be Optimal Carnivore. Make sure to check out the brand new landing page that the people over at Optimal Carnivore have set up just for my listeners. You can save on bundles of their products. I am absolutely loving their Joint Restore product right now. It is so helpful for my bones and joints having a baby in my 40s and all the extra movements and bending and the things I'm doing now. This is a very supportive product of that process for me. And it is just bone matrix, bone marrow, and cartilage, no added other organs that may or may not be necessary for you. So again, check out that landing page, gonna be down in the show notes for you where you can get special deals and offers over at Optimal Carnivore. Without further ado, let's jump into today's episode with Dr. Stone. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Really excited to have today's guest here to talk about all things thyroid. So Dr. Stone, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I love talking about all things thyroid and just spreading that message because as you know, lots of people with thyroid issues. So we got to get the the word out there. By the way, I love the birds in the background. That's so amazing. Yeah, it's I'm in Georgia and we are surrounded by all these amazing trees. And so, yeah, we it's I don't have a professional recording studio just yet. This is my uh, (laughs) this is awesome, though. This is amazing. (laughs) This is how we do it here. I love Um, it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about you and how you got interested in just working specifically with thyroid, your history, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of interesting. I never, when I was in med school, uh, really thought that diabetes was going to be the thing that I focused on. I did a lot of work in that area, have family members with type one and type two diabetes. So it really hit close to home. And then I got into practice and, you know, I'm sure, you know, like real world throws us different things. And so what I found is that I had a lot of women coming my way and a lot of women with thyroid issues. So I was like, all right, I need to kind of up my game and figure out, you know, how to best serve 
these women. And in that process, so of course, med school, fairly stressful time, you know, getting a practice started, very, very stressful time. And I actually developed Hashimoto's myself. And so I was like, all right, this is kind of self-serving in some ways because I need to figure out how to take care of myself. And in the meantime, also figuring out how to take care of my patients and make sure that their needs are met. So it was kind of by happenstance. And the more I did it, the more I found just how much simple things can really make a difference when it comes to managing thyroid health. And a lot of these women were not getting the help that they needed in the conventional system. It was, here's a medication or no, everything's fine, even though their labs really indicated otherwise. So I really found that there was a missing piece there for a lot of people who needed help and weren't getting what they needed. So figured time to step up. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, thyroid issues, I feel like are the most prevalent thing that people deal with. And, you know, when you go to the doctor to get a thyroid test, you, you still, even with an allopathic, a regular doctor, you still have to beg for T3, T4, reverse T3 and antibodies. You know, when I was going through my fertility journey, they just would keep keep testing my TSH. And I'm like, but I know that. And they're like, your TSH is beautiful. Thyroid's beautiful. I'm like, but I don't think that's the full, <laughs> the full picture, you know? Yeah. And it's frustrating because the data is out there. There's in my mind, no legitimate reason to not do the appropriate testing. The information is there. We know very clearly that at least in the United States, about 90%, if not more, of hypothyroidism cases are actually Hashimoto's. And we also know that Hashimoto's, you know, signs of Hashimoto's can be present for seven, eight years before it even starts to affect the TSH. So these, these people are feeling unwell for really long periods of time and being told that everything is fine. Your labs are fine. It's all in your head. Here's an antidepressant, Mm anti-anxiety med, you know, whatever, whatever their jam is at that moment. And it's, it's very frustrating because the information is there and there's zero reason in my mind why they can't do the appropriate testing. You know, it's fine. We can step up and play that role, but it'd be nice if everybody was on the same page because then more people could be helped, which is really my goal is how many people can we help and get out of this rut as, you know, as possible. Absolutely. And so just some of those symptoms for anybody listening, I know just off the top of my head, maybe fatigue, not feeling well, possibly gut issues. What are some other just troublesome symptoms that could possibly mean you've, you've got a looming Hashimoto's diagnosis. Yeah. So you mentioned fatigue. I also like to talk a little bit about brain fog. A lot of people kind of Mm. use those interchangeably, but to me, they're not the same. Fatigue is feeling tired. Brain fog is literally like you're walking through a fog for anyone who's ever experienced it. It's like, almost like there's this film in front of you, right? Mm -hmm. The screen that you're just not seeing things clearly, not thinking clearly. So brain fog can be a big one. Dry skin can Mm -hmm. be a big one, which in Arizona, it's a little bit hard. I'm like, okay, is it Arizona dry or is it like extra dry? (laughs) Yeah. We have our, our, you know, environment to contend with. Uh, Hair loss is a big one in particular. So you can have, you know, overall hair loss on the head, but the eyebrow. Eyebrow, the outer third of the eyebrow, right? Outer third of the eyebrow. Yeah. And so that's like, that's definitely one of my symptoms. I know when my thyroid's in bowels, cause like, oh, let's get a little thin out there. All right. Mm-hmm. Something's up. So that can be a big one. 
weight gain or difficulty losing weight, or even for some people, just a sensation of feeling puffy. Like mm. they're almost like their skin is spongy is how I describe it. Like you could wring it out like it's a rag, but you know, obviously you can't do that. So that would be another symptom. Uh, you mentioned gut issues in particular. I'll see gas, bloating, constipation. Constipation is a big one there. So the way I think about thyroidism is everything is hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. Everything's kind of slowed down and dried up. So anything mm. that kind of fits with that symptom or that picture could be a symptom and period problems too, right? Mm -hmm. Heavy periods, painful periods, infertility. Uh, mm -hmm. It's also Hashimoto is also associated with PCOS, right? So they could have, you know, some abnormalities related to that. So it really affects the entire system. Cold, feeling cold. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. They just talked about that yesterday, doing cold plunges and people are like, how, when you have hypothyroidism, <laughs> like I can't stand the cold. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to dive into that because I had, um, Adrian Jessic on the show, not super long ago with Morosco and yeah. she's become a good friend of mine. And she talks all the time about how she had like three autoimmune conditions. She had Hashimoto's. And she used cold plunging as part of how she was able to reverse these things. And, you know, when you talk about cold, and I'm a huge, I mean, I, I have a Morosco forge. I'm a crazy yeah. person that my husband's <laughs> like, you literally spent that much money on a thing <laughs> of a ice bath. Like that's ridiculous. He still doesn't get it. He still hasn't used it. Fine. But whenever I talk about cold plunging and the benefits for your hormones, thyroid, people freak out on me. I mean, I've gotten like hate messages from people because they're like, you're trying to kill people. And I'm like, I'm really, I'm really not. Really not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. And I get it right. As someone yeah. who has thyroid issues, when you are not well balanced, cold can feel literally painful. Like it would oh, yeah. hurt in the deepest way possible. So I get that. As you get better though, right? Your tolerance will get better. And I always tell folks like, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go from nothing to an ice bath. Exactly. <laughs> like exactly. it's such an extreme thing. I'm like, just turn it a little bit colder in your shower at the end and stand there for as long as you can. Cool. Keep doing that. All right. Next time you turn a little bit colder, a little bit colder, and you just build up your tolerance over time. I never thought I would have been someone who takes cold showers or does, you know, cold exposure or anything like that. Now I love it because I see how much benefit it brings me. I mean, it wakes me up, but at the same time, calms my nervous system. It's helped my thyroid. So, you know, with my thyroid patients, I'm also often telling them like, put that cold directly on the thyroid, mm -hmm. especially if it's inflamed and you're in a flare that can really help bring down the inflammation. So it, it's really just a matter of understanding that it doesn't have to be zero to a hundred, <laughs> like work your way yeah. up to that and you'll get there eventually. Yeah. I mean, I, I think face dunking can be super powerful yes. and I use that. I mean, even though I've got the cold plunge, like when my son, he's just turning six months today, he has not been a great sleeper thus far. And so I know if I'm not getting a full, you know, good night of sleep, my body is a little bit more stressed out and I probably shouldn't be doing a full immersion. And so I will just go and literally stick my face into the cold plunge, right? Come out, breathe a little bit, stick my face in. And that is a really powerful thing. Gives my entire body energy, feels really good. So yeah, I think people are so like, oh, it's all or nothing. Either I'm doing a full ice bath or I'm doing nothing, but you can even dip your wrists in. Like you mentioned doing some cold, you know, touching of the thyroid, those sorts, yep. sorts of things. It's like, it doesn't have to be 
all or nothing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like I often, you know, there's, you know, hydrotherapy, right? Main thing, a big thing that we do in naturopathic medicine. And so you can do hydrotherapy just directly to the throat, just a cool compress, Mm. right? You don't even have to be in the shower and getting other things. It can just be directly there. So yeah, start small (laughs) and work your way up, which is pretty similar, you know, recommendation I would give for many things with health. It's like, okay, just start with a couple of things and then build on that. Exactly. And, and I guess with diet, that's the one thing everyone also wants to talk about. You have some interesting views on diet that, you know, everyone, there's this misconception out there that you need to have lots of sugar for your thyroid and lots of glucose for your thyroid. I get that all the time, especially now this pro-metabolic diet is super popular, which here's a spoiler alert. I probably get four to five direct messages a week from people who try this and gain 30, 40 pounds and their hormones get worse. I mean, literally. So (laughs) I'm not convinced that this is an appropriate method for people with hormone issues and thyroid issues. So what's your, what's your nutritional take for, for a lot of people? So a lot of people that I see, I mean, they're coming from a standard American diet, Mm -hmm. right? So a lot of it, a lot of their thyroid issues are just because their guts inflamed and their body is not getting the nutrients that they need. And so I'm always, you know, nutrition first, nutrients first, and what you're going to recommend for somebody kind of depends on where they're at and what other things they have going on. But in general, I'm a huge fan of animal-based style eating. I find that that is very helpful for people with thyroid issues. Because if you think about it, like red meat in and of itself has so many nutrients that are vital for the thyroid, B12, zinc, selenium, carnitine. I mean, all these things that are required. And, and I find, and and this is not a knock against vegans, vegetarians, like you do whatever you want to do, but I do find that those folks have a little bit harder time getting their thyroid balanced versus, you know, somebody who is eating at least some animal protein, I'm able to get them regulated a lot faster. So again, not a knock on that. Everybody's body's different. If you're thriving, great. Keep doing what you're doing. That's what I always tell folks. Like if what you're doing is working for you, great. If your blood work looks good, you have a practitioner who's guiding you. They know that your labs look great, right? Internally, things are functioning the way that they should Fine, Keep doing it. But in my experience, I see a lot of benefit from, you know, really making sure that they're getting enough protein, that animal protein is really helpful. And the the carb thing is so interesting to me. I mean, I've had people on my posts, like, how dare you, you know, not tell oh, yeah, they to eat all these carbs. Mad. So angry, so yeah. angry. And I'm like, listen, like, I do think for some folks, carbohydrates, you know, they have their place, right? Right. Especially for, you know, I get a lot of folks who have adrenal dysfunction, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to make the body feel safe. We need to make sure that it's well nourished, right? Do that first and then, you know, kind of move their diet from there. But it's very interesting to me because when I put, if people really, really follow my recommendation, like my patients, and I put them on, sometimes I'll do like an elimination diet first, like, you know, fairly strict carnivore or fairly strict animal based with some things taken out. I see movement super fast. I'm talking like within two weeks, they're like, whoa, my energy's better. I'm sleeping better. Mm-hmm. I really see this fast turnaround. So if people can commit to that and kind of leave their biases aside, right? Yeah. Then then I see a lot of benefit from doing that. And you know, that carbohydrate piece, sure. If you want to eat fruit and that resonates with you and it's in season and all of those things, then cool, go for it. Like if it serves yeah. your body well, do it. But I think animal base is like a good kind of foundation for a lot of people with thyroid issues. I agree. And it's, it can be hard for some people. I've got a good friend of mine who I know from the yoga community, we both taught yoga together for years and she is now just suffering with 
thyroid issues, hormone issues. And she's been a vegetarian for 20 plus years. And it was yesterday. She actually messaged me and said, okay, I've just ordered a bunch of meat from white Oak pastures. And she wanted to get, you know, the nicest farms. I'm like, yes, good. Okay. I'm going to help you. (laughs) I'm going to help you start doing this because she's just at this place where she is desperate to feel better, you know? And I think, I think that's where a lot of people will get with thyroid issues is they're just like, I'm exhausted. I feel like I can't get out of bed. You know, if they are of reproductive age, their cycles have become absolutely miserable. And so people on Instagram, you know, and and social media can kind of jeer and poke and say whatever they want to about eating more of an animal-based diet. But I think it can be a huge game changer for people because like you said, those, the animal protein contains a lot of the essential nutrients that the thyroid needs. And then just from the standpoint of lowering inflammation also, that's what I, the conversation I was having with her yesterday, I'm like, now you're not going to want to hear this, but I need you to quit the nuts and seeds. And she was like, what am I going to eat? I'm like, just give it a couple of weeks, no nuts and seeds, heavy on the animal based. And let me know how you feel, because I think you're going to see a huge difference. Cause how do you feel about nuts and seeds for thyroid? I avoid it as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's also something. And what I try to remind people too, is like, this isn't just some random idea that I came up with. Like this has been years of, you know, trying different things with my patients, trying different things with myself, seeing what helps me feel my best. And if we look at something like, let's say the AIP, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They also take out nuts and seeds. So this isn't a new idea. We know that those can be problematic and, and you're right. I get the same response. They're like, wait, what, what am I supposed to eat? And I'm like, it actually, to me, eating animal based is so much easier. My grocery shopping is easier. My meal planning is easier. Like, I'm like, listen, these are the things that I eat. This is what I feel the best at, you know, when I'm eating these things and it's, it's simpler. And once they realize that they're like, Oh, this is actually kind of cool. Now I will have those patients that are like, okay, I'm really missing this food. I'm like, okay, now that your gut's feeling good, you're feeling good. Test it out. Let mm-hmm. me know what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they add it back in. They're like, okay, I'm good. Sometimes they add it back in. They're like, no, that was bad. Or they find like, okay, I can have it once or twice a week, but I cannot mm-hmm. do it every day. So mm-hmm. there's, there's nuance there. That's where that individualization comes from. So I always tell them like, just test it. And then you'll know yeah. how your body feels. But if you've got all this inflammation that you're dealing with, it's hard to tell what's working and what's not. Oh, that's so true. Cause you're just kind of living in this chronic state of inflammation. So you have no idea what you're eating and how it's affecting you. So I think sometimes doing these elimination diets for periods of time can be helpful. How do you feel about long-term elimination diets? Do you think people should try to eventually get to the place where they're adding things back in here and there, or do you think they could just stay at that elimination place forever? I think it's individualized and I think it depends on like what that elimination looks like. Like I do, you know, so is it strict carnivore? Is it animal based? You know, because with animal based, you're getting, you know, some things in there that you don't get in the carnivore. So it helps kind of fill some of those maybe nutritional gaps or some of those cravings that people have, like, okay, they get to have fruit instead of, you know, gorging on a bunch of processed sugar. Cool. Fine. But I I think at the end of the day, it's really individualized me. I, you know, I've been animal based for gosh, a really, you know, year and a half ish. Yeah, about a year and a half. And I've even gotten a little bit more strict lately because things just weren't feeling right. So I'm kind of like taking myself back to basics. But I think it can be done long term, just depending on what all they're including or not including. 
think carnivore for some women, it can be a little tricky as far as, you know, doing that long-term. So I'm usually trying to allow them to add in foods that they enjoy Mm -hmm. as long as it fits with their body. So it's kind of the same thing. It's individualized. If somebody adds those foods in, they feel great. Cool. Keep doing what you're doing. As long as we're not seeing, you know, their thyroid function get worse, their adrenal function get worse, their gut get worse. So you have to monitor all those things and you have to know what to watch out for because sometimes it can be insidious, right? Like Mm -hmm. you start adding a food back in, And you're like, oh, I'm fine. And then a couple months later, it's like, boom, now you're a big inflamed mess and you don't realize it and you didn't see those early signs. So having a practitioner or really learning what your body's response is can be very helpful in that process to know whether or not it makes a difference. But I think to a certain degree, it can be done long-term, just depends on the person. Definitely. And then the T3 issue with carnivore and keto, I, that was something that I experienced and I found out it was actually affecting my fertility. And I've taken a lot of flack for, for talking about it, but I think we have to, to talk that sometimes this can happen for people that do carnivore or keto for extended amount of time. Some people say they don't notice a difference. I didn't really notice a difference until I started trying to get pregnant and couldn't. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on the low T3 carnivore keto deal. Yeah. So I totally agree. And I have seen that with people who are doing more strict carnivore, I have a couple of folks, most of my folks are more animal based, but I have had a couple of folks who were doing carnivore long-term and that's exactly what I saw is like, okay, TSH looks pretty good. T3, T4 look pretty good. Then that T3. And you know, there's lots of things that can affect that conversion of T4 to T3. So you start to, you know, rule out different things. Okay. How are your adrenals doing? What is your nutrient status? Like, are we actually getting the things that we need? And what I found is like, okay, let's add a little bit in and see what you're T3 does, right? Let's Mm -hmm. add in some fruit. Let's add in maybe Mm -hmm. a sweet potato, right? Or some white rice, whatever it is. I had that in and it was like beautifully just came right back into range. And I think that tells us something. And I do think that there's most of the people I see are women, right? But mm-hmm. I do think there's a difference between men and women. I, yeah. When oh, it yeah. comes to carnivore, I feel like men tolerate that for long-term a lot more than women will. So we have different physiology and that's just reality and we have to treat it as such. So I have definitely seen the same thing. And I think it comes back to possibly it being just another stress on the body, right? Mm-hmm. We know stress impacts that conversion of T4 to T3. And for women, it impacts that that stress response that we have. And so when we feel more well-nourished, when we have all the things that we need, giving the body everything that it needs, then, then that T3 will come right up. Yeah. I see that too. You know, for me, it was like just adding one day a week of some seasonal whole food carbs, fruit, sweet potato, eat my T3 came right back up. Things went great. It wasn't like I had to do the whole repeat thing where I'm eating like or, you know, sugar all day and six meals a day. I feel like that's super inflammatory for most people. And then, you know, you don't have to, again, it's like going back to that all or nothing thing. Yeah. I think that things like keto and carnivore can be really, really helpful to bring inflammation down, but it's, it's good to hear that from an actual like thyroid doctor that just pulsing in those strategic carb days, I think can make such a huge difference for people. And then they get to keep all those anti-inflammatory 
benefits that they're getting. And, and you mentioned AIP. So you could even kind of use those carb days to be AIP because you get sweet potatoes and butternut squash and, you know, those great whole food carbs that can, I think, make a big difference for some people. So, yeah. And the longer you do it and the more in tune you are with the body, then you understand like, okay, like I'm feeling this way. I think I need a little bit of a boost here. Like, let me do a little bit of, you know, carbohydrate, and you just learn to to find that rhythm. I think a lot of people get stuck on like you have to be super strict and do things this way for a super long period of time where it's like, well, no, like that's not really how the body has rhythms. Right. And so you kind of have to pay attention to those rhythms and pulse in and out of those. And that's where the, the benefit is. And also just testing things out. And, and seeing how your body responds. And if it doesn't go well, well, then you know that that didn't work well for you and you just keep trying. So it doesn't have to be again, all or nothing. It's like, just test it out and see what your body does with it. Yeah. I think we have to pay attention to the signs and sometimes a diet. I talked with Dr. Will Cole about this a couple of years ago, and he's like, you know, some diets, they do really wonderful things for one system of the body but then another system of the body suffers, you know? And, and so we have to look at, okay, maybe your gut is doing amazing, but your thyroid's downregulating, right? And so there's a trade-off and we have to kind of try to find a balance, you know? And if, if someone is like doing these diets long-term and they're either stuck with their weight, they're starting to be a little more fatigued, maybe they're losing some hair, could be a sign that it's time to switch things up and not to maybe go, in the other direction entirely and (laughs) carb loaded every meal, which I've seen people do, but just try to be strategic about adding and pulsing some things in, you know? Yep, exactly. That's such a, that's such a great point. Yeah. I totally agree with Will on that. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned signaling, what are your thoughts on circadian rhythms and thyroid? Do you practice that with your patient? Yeah. 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 Huge. Like it is a must have. And the more, I would say probably when I was initially starting to work with a lot more thyroid patients, like, yes, I paid attention to the adrenals and talked a little bit about it, but now the impact that I've seen is so huge that it is a part of pretty much every treatment plan that I do. Like I need you getting morning sun. I need you, you know, staying off your phone in the morning and at night and and doing all these things that support the circadian rhythm, because we know how closely, and I've always known this, but knowing how closely the adrenal function is tied to thyroid function. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Like you have to have that, you know, you have to be balancing those circadian rhythms and and flowing with them. It, It is night and day, the difference. Like sometimes when I have patients who are like super overwhelmed and they have a ton of things wrong, I'm like, I'll usually give them like two or three things. Like, I just need you to do two or three, you know, these few things. And let's see how you do after a couple of weeks. And one of them is always like, I need you getting morning sunlight. Right. And that alone can be a game changer for some folks, or I need you going to bed. You know, I need you off your phone an hour before bed. And I need Mm -hmm. you going to bed at the same time every night, like just those couple of things, huge. And I have focused a lot more on that. I would say probably in the past year, year and a half, and it's made a big difference for my patients. Huge. Yeah. I see just people wearing blue blockers at night, just these little small changes that if we, I've heard about these things for years, but until I had kind of my own little health crisis, I just wasn't really open to them. I'm like, that just seems, it seems too simple to be true. But when we think about thyroid hormones and hormones, they are released and and at specific times of the day and light is supposed to be that stimulus for 
things to start to turn on, for this cascade to begin to happen in the morning. You know, everyone knows if you take thyroid medication, you're supposed to take it first thing in the morning, right? So when do you think our body is going to naturally make this thyroid hormone? It's in UVA light in the morning. But what happens when we're stuck inside on our phone? you know, and wondering why we feel like crap, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I love how simple it is though. And people Mm -hmm. kind of have that same response where it's like, really, is that really going to make a difference? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It is. And it's often the simple things it's, it's our daily habits. It's what, Mm -hmm. what we do in the mornings and what we do throughout our day and what our, you know, evening routines look like those things make a much bigger impact than, you know, buying some cleanse or, you know, using some product or, you know, whatever it is. I'm like, y'all are, you know, you need to get the basics first. Y'all are trying to do stuff that's way up here, like focus on the foundation because that detox, those, whatever you're trying Mm -hmm. to do, it's not going to work. Yeah. Like it's not (laughs) going to work as well. If you don't have these other things in place, if you do those things, you probably won't even need the other stuff. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, that's what I, we, we say all the time is redox before detox and you have to you know, increase that flow of oxygen in the body and, and increase that mitochondrial function before you start demanding the body, let go of these things, because some of the, you know, the fat is protective in the body and the body is hanging on to these things as a way to protect you. So if you're trying to shock it and make it release these things too quickly, you can have some serious problems. Yeah. Yeah, It's not pretty when people move too fast, too soon. Mm -hmm. It's really not pretty. Like to the point of being, you know, pretty darn ill. And it's just not a good idea. And and the way I look at it, I always tell people, I'm like, love on your body. First, Mm -hmm. give your body what it needs to do its job. And then, you know, see if there's other things that you need to do to make that function a little bit better. But you have to at least start with the basics and show it a lot of love instead of, you know, doing all these things to try and force it into Mm -hmm. something. Body doesn't like to be forced. (laughs) So give it what it needs and it'll do its job. doesn't. And, and you talk a lot about on your page, trauma Mm -hmm. and thyroid. I would love to dive into that topic a bit, because I think people, again, it's one of those things that people are like, like sunlight, like no, but now people are spinning their wheels or doing all these detoxes and cleanses and it's not working. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think people are open to hearing about how trauma impacts something like the thyroid. Yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of people want, you know, they're, you know, willing to do the nutrition work, willing to exercise and do all those things. And they always want to put that mental, emotional stuff last, which is interesting to me. I'm like, if y'all did that in the front, if we front loaded this by dealing with that stuff, but you know, sometimes you need to be feeling better in order to handle that. So whatever pathway works for them is fine. But I find that it's, it's, um, it has a major impact. And it's one of the things that I ask at all of my new patient intakes, I'm like, okay, like, what has happened in your life? When did this first start? And what was going on around that time? You know, and oftentimes there was a divorce. They were a caretaker for, you know, a loved one. They maybe got pregnant and had a kid and super stressful, like, or, you know, relationship issues or, you know, even trauma from their childhood. And it's like, oh, I haven't slept well since I was five years old. And, you know, so-and-so came into my room and did, you know, whatever. So addressing those things really makes a difference. And when we look at, you know, there's this theory around like the three-legged stool, right? For mm-hmm. autoimmunity, which I'm sure you've heard, right? So they're genetic predisposition, stress, and then gut stuff. So when we talk about stress, like trauma is part of that. So if you don't address that piece and where it's coming from, then you're missing a big part of that healing process. And I've just found that that makes such a difference in people's lives because they can be 
again, eating well, exercising, doing all those things. And it's like, I'm just not quite there yet. Like there's something missing. And I'm like, yeah, I remember when you told me about, you know, how your mom didn't treat you well growing up might be something you need to work on and working on that looks different for everyone, right? Everyone's like, well, what do I do about my trauma? I'm like, you need to figure out what makes sense for you. You know, some people need to talk through it. Other people need to, you know, maybe do hypnotherapy or Reiki or like, there's so many different ways to address it. That's not my area of specialty. I refer out for that stuff, but it does need to be taken care of because if you don't deal with that stress response, that because you've basically, your nervous system is still responding to those things and your nervous system matters for your thyroid. It does. Absolutely. And you know, that's the thyroid is really regulating the energy system of the body essentially. And so if we don't feel safe, if we feel like there's a threat and there's unresolved trauma, something we haven't dealt with the energy system, you know, the thyroid is going to downregulate again as a protective mechanism. I think we are so quick to just say, oh, my body is failing me. We use these kind of I I get a lot of comments. I'm sure you do too on your page from people who are like, oh, my body is against me and it's, it's failing me. me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's attacking me. And I'm like, yeah, this is why you have an autoimmune condition because you're, you've got that kind of languaging around what's happening with you. You're allowing that and your body hears that message loud and clear and is, is, is down-regulating that. So yeah. yeah, And if, if we, yeah. And if we look at the thyroid and say, okay, it's doing this thing in response to either my internal and or external environment. So there's something going on in my environment that needs to shift and it's serving me the best way that it knows how. Now it's my job to figure out how to best serve my thyroid. And if you show it a lot of love, it will 100% love you back. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I hope you're enjoying today's episode with Dr. Stone. Again, all of her information is going to be linked down in the show notes for you if you want to check her out. And one little quick thing I think worth mentioning is that leptin is actually the signaling hormone that tells the thyroid what to do, believe it or not. So if you have leptin resistance, more than likely you're going to suffer with some sort of a thyroid imbalance. Leptin also tells the immune system what to do. So a lot of people that are experiencing issues like Hashimoto's may greatly benefit by working on leptin resistance. All of my listeners of the show can always save 10% on my leptin resistance program, the 21 day leptin reset by using the code podcast. And it has really helped a lot of people that do struggle with thyroid issues. So again, make sure you check out that program. Use the code podcast to save 10% on that at any time. And one more shout out to a sponsor, Upgraded Formulas. This is my go-to source for checking in on my mineral status. You can use code YOGI12 or YOGI if you've already used that one before. A lot of people that suffer with thyroid or adrenal issues actually have a mineral imbalance and fixing those minerals, getting those minerals back in balance can be immensely supportive in fixing the thyroid issues. So again, check out Upgraded Formulas. Use my code YOGI12 or YOGI if you've already used that one before. And I definitely recommend their hair tissue mineral analysis with a consultation for helping you get to the bottom of any thyroid issues. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Let's go ahead and jump back into this episode with Dr. Stone. I guess when you work with someone that has a thyroid issue, let's say they come to you and they've, you know, they've got Hashimoto's for example. And and I'm assuming, you know, a lot of people that have Hashimoto's are also dealing with 
hypothyroidism as well. Would that be yep. correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Majority are. So what's kind of the order of what you have them do? What does that look like? Yeah. So usually my first focus is to get their foundations in order. So looking at what they're eating sometimes, you know, depending on what kind of lifestyle they're leading coming in, I might do something like an elimination diet, right? Cause that gets us quick results fast or gets us good results quickly. And I think that's an easy win for a lot of folks. It's like, all right, I did something and it worked and now I've got momentum. So I try to build momentum early on because it keeps them moving forward. So I might do something like that, but really just focusing on the foundation. So if somebody is not exercising at all, cool. Now we're going to do daily walks for 10 minutes. That's it. Right. And they're like, oh, you're not going to make me go to the gym for an hour or five days a week. No, like that would be insane. You know, getting them morning sunlight, making sure that their sleep is well regulated. So I really focus a lot on the foundations first. Now, if we do those things and it's, we're not seeing the progress that we expect, or we kind of hit a wall, then it's like, all right, we might have to dig a little bit deeper. For example, you know, sometimes we got to look for chronic underlying infections, Epstein-Barr virus, you know, Lyme, those types of things, or maybe there's an infection going on in the gut that we need to address. So is there SIBO? Is there, you know, H. pylori, those types of things. Sometimes they're obvious from the beginning, but I'm usually starting with like, let's clean everything up and then see what's left over. And that really gives me, you know, the baseline that I need for everything else to work a little bit better. Like I'm not, I'll tell my, you know, when new patients are coming in, I tell them all the time, I'm not heavy on supplements. I'm not Mm -hmm. heavy on like, oh, you need to take, you know, this thyroid support and this B12 and all these different things. Like, let's get your nutrients in first, see what your body does with it. And of course, there's a time and a place to do those things. But I think there's so much that we have control over that we don't realize that are essentially free. (laughs) So that's usually where I start with folks. Now, if they're, you know, hypothyroid, then oftentimes they're on medication. So of course, a piece of that is going to be optimizing things for them. So they might come in and, you know, their conventional doctor was only running TSH, um, but we look at their T3 and T4 and everything is super low, not well optimized. Okay, well, let's get you optimized optimize first. Sometimes what I find is, you know, we bump the meds up first or optimize them. They feel good. They start working on the foundational things. 90 days later, we may actually be able to drop it down again because their body's functioning better. So I really try to get big wins early on, get them feeling good, and then continuing to work on those underlying issues. Some people move faster than others. So sometimes it's six months, you know, before Mm -hmm. we see big, big, big changes. Other people, it's like, you know, in a month they're feeling great. Other people, it's closer to three months. So I would say that's the main process, but I'm always trying to get them to a place of what I call thyroid maintenance, where it's like, okay, I know what my body likes. I do those things every once in a while, things might get out of whack. They can come back in we can reassess and do those things. But I'm just trying to get them to a point where it's, they know what to do with their body and they really only need me, you know, once or twice a year. That's my goal. Absolutely. And you know, what percentage of people would you say that come to you with a thyroid issue also, I mean, they've got hypothyroid, but they don't necessarily know it, but they have Hashimoto's kind of in the background. Are they, is it a good chunk, a good yeah. chunk? Yeah. Yeah. Now, since I've been, you know, on Instagram and those type of things for a little bit longer, I'm seeing more and more people who either have done their own labs and have diagnosed themselves or come in with a good idea that that's what they have. But I would say for sure in the beginning, it was all the time, all the yeah. time. Oh, I just have hypothyroidism. I'm like, okay, is it Hashimoto's? Oh, I have no idea. I have no idea. And I'm like, has anyone ever tested? No. And I'm like, 
well, of course we need to do that first. Has anyone done an ultrasound? Like all these basic things. So I would say it's, it's changed over the years, but that's also been a process of how I market myself and the things that I share online because people are more aware and they realize like a lot of people can order their own labs. And so changed a little bit, but in the beginning, a ton of people all the time. And mm-hmm. do you think it's valuable to have the TPO and the TPA antibodies tested or is TPO usually enough to go on? No, I, I, I always do both. I always okay. do both because you yeah. can have one or the other. Like a lot of time, majority of time I'll see TPO, but as being the main one, but I've seen both. So I always run both. Yeah. And then I guess as far as medication goes, because yeah. I know a lot of people are on medication. Do you have a lot of people that you're able to really get to this better place with their thyroid, maybe through diet, circadian rhythm work, trauma work, and get them off of medication or kind of lessening their medication? Yeah, definitely lessening is, Mm -hmm. is, you know, one of the main goals getting off really kind of depends. Like if they've had, you know, some people come to me and they've had Hashimoto or had hypothyroidism for 15 years, Mm -hmm. didn't know they had Hashimoto. So there's been a lot of cellular damage and some of that you can't recover. Right. We'll try, but I always tell my patients, I'm always willing to try. Right. So let's bump down your dose, see what your body does with it. Retest, kind of reassess. So my goal is always to, at the very least, reduce their reliance on medication but I have been able to get some people off of them. Like I was, I was on thyroid medication for probably about a year and got myself off of it. Everybody's a little bit different though. So some people can, some people can't. And I know that it's such a big goal for a lot of people that come Mm -hmm. to see me. They're like, I don't want to take this anymore. And I'm like, yeah, but (laughs) thyroid really at this point is just not doing what it's supposed to do because there's been too much damage and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with taking medication, but trying to minimize that when we can. Yeah. And a sign that maybe they're on too much medication or they're starting to heal. What would that look like? So usually they'll start feeling more hyperthyroid. Mm-hmm. So everything will be like their heart will start to race. They might have palpitations, feeling more anxious. Those types of things are usually what I look for. So pretty much the exact opposite of hypothyroidism. It's like, oh, okay, things are running a, a little bit too well. Let's back down a little bit. So, and it, you know, some of it is just a matter of finding the right medication too. Mm-hmm. A lot of people coming in on levothyroxine and Synthroid and it's not serving them well. So we either get them uncompounded or natural desiccated. Sometimes I'm combining it with like thyroid glandulars and that mm-hmm. can be enough for some folks. And that helps us kind of tip the scale you know, you're still relying on a supplement to do some of that work right. for you, but you know, that's has more benefits to it than doing medication most times. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the glandulars because I've yeah. had people ask me, they're like, can I go off of my thyroid medication and just take glandulars? And I'm like, uh, not under my watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah. It's definitely not like a, a swap, right? It's right. not like changing one medication for the other because right. Most of the glandulars on the market are not going to be potent enough to do what a thyroid medication can do. Can they help you lessen your thyroid medication dose? Absolutely. But I would never, ever, ever recommend that anyone just try and swap the two. There's one, I don't, have you heard of thyroid gold at all? I haven't. Yeah. So one of my patients had found this a while ago and they're actually pretty potent. I was kind of surprised mm-hmm. that they were allowed to be on the market. I was like, really? Like this could actually hurt somebody if they oh. were to take it. So I, I was kind of, I don't know if it's still on the market. It's been a while since I've seen her, but I was actually pretty surprised, but Hey, it worked well for her and we were able to drop her dose. So I was like, all right, cool. But glandulars yeah. can be great, but definitely not a substitute for when medication is, is required. 
got it. Yeah. yeah I, I've actually heard that it can be pretty dangerous if you just try to swap it out and do glandulars instead of your regular medication. Cause the glandulars also, from what I understand, you don't really know what you're getting. Like it, yes. you, they could say it's potent, but it's not potent, or they could say it's not potent and it's super potent. And so it's harder yeah. to really accurately measure yeah. and dose those, right? Yeah. It's yeah. not super well regulated at right. all. And so, and that's, you know, a lot of supplements that are yeah. out there too. So you have to be really mindful about how you use those, especially if you're on medication, can they be mm-hmm. helpful? Yes. But someone should be watching you while you do that. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, I think with thyroid, you really do need to have an extra set of eyes and people need to continue to monitor. I think the labs too. I'm not a huge, like do your labs and freak out about this level and that level. But I think thyroid is one of those things. If you're on a medication that you do need to watch, because I'll have people do my 21 day leptin reset program and they start getting hyperthyroid. They're like, I'm, I'm having heart palps and this, that. And I'm like, your thyroid's getting better. You need probably less medication. I can't tell you how much you need to go get your labs done and work with your doctor to bring the dose down. But yeah, I see people doing elimination diets, doing my reset program, and then their thyroid improves, but they're taking too much medication. So yeah, yeah, because yeah. people don't realize how powerful those things can be. Like right. it makes a huge difference. And so yeah, it's one of the areas I'm not a huge fan again of like doing, you know, bunch of labs all the time. Like I mm-hmm. use them the way I think about labs is are the results going to change what I do for this patient, right? Are they going to give me information that changes my treatment plan? If yes, cool, then let's do them. If not, then I, you know, kind of let them go unless it's something the patient wants to do. But thyroid is one of those things that it can be kind of fickle. And especially Mm -hmm. if you have Hashimoto's, because if you're in a flare, um, something triggered it, like you can get pretty wild swings. People can go from a hyperthyroid state to a hypothyroid state, you know, during a flare and afterwards. So it does need to be watched, especially when you're changing things. So that's always like my rule of thumb for folks. Like, okay, if you're going to change something, let's just see what your thyroid does pay attention to your symptoms and then we'll test if we need to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just working with someone for these things is, is really key having someone in your corner, but that's a tough thing. I mean, that's why I want to bring you on because I think it's a tough thing for people to find someone that isn't going to just throw medicine at them. Cause when I was going through my stuff with fertility, you know, I had an endocrinologist that said, Oh, your T3 is low, but that's not a problem. Then I had my gynecologist and she was like, let me give you some Cytomel. And that was a trip. Talk about like out of body experience. So that was a bad thing because I was having all those hyperthyroid symptoms, even though my T3 was low, taking exogenous T3 was not the answer. What ended up needing to happen was a nutritional change for me, you know, but I guess everyone is so different because someone could have really low T3 and maybe benefit from something like Cytomel. But yeah, yeah just- but it's hard to find people. And I get that message all the time from folks and it's heartbreaking. It's yeah. heartbreaking because I can't, you know, there's certain things that I can't do. Yes, I can consult with, you know, people out of state virtually, but I can't diagnose and I can't treat across treat, state lines. Yeah. Right. So if they need me to do those things and I need them to be here and it it is difficult, especially if their practitioner is not willing to work with them. Sometimes what I find is helpful is getting them to do their own labs and then taking that to their practitioner and being like, here's what I'm seeing. Like, can we have a conversation about this? Right. Can we talk about what these other things mean? This is what I know. But of course, the practitioner has to be open to that. 
So right. sometimes it's a matter of changing doctors, but if you're in a small town, that's not always possible. So right. the thyroid patients do run into a lot of that. It can be super frustrating to get the care that they need, especially if they're in kind of a rural area where there's not a lot of options for physicians. So yeah. that's where I try to provide like as much information as possible on Instagram, but it does take having a practitioner who can, especially if you're on medication, right? Having someone there who can adjust those things for you and get the proper testing done. So yeah, that's kind of yeah. a bummer. It can be super tricky for sure. Yeah. 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 But just kind of knowing to look out, like if you're not feeling right and the doctor that you're with, the provider that you're with is not listening to you, it's worth continuing to try to, to seek out the person that can, because I, yeah. I, I truly believe in like energy law of attraction that we're going to find that right person and that right situation. If we put that out there and the information that we need in order to heal, that's why I love doing this podcast and, and bringing people like yourself on, because I think, you know, sometimes people just need to hear from a conversation like this, like, okay, I'm not feeling right. Things aren't working correctly. Here's some things I can try. And maybe I need, need to dive a little bit deeper and look a little bit deeper. Yeah. And the, what I find too, cause I, again, do virtual consults for people who are in other states is a lot of times I'm in, I'm giving them information that will help them communicate with their physician better. Mm. Cause sometimes they just don't realize that maybe they're not telling their physician all the things that they need to know to make good clinical decisions. So I'm like, here's what you want to say. Here's what you want to show them, right. Explain what's going on and see if they're open to that. So, you know, in the conventional system, everything's like, super quick, you know, you don't get a lot of time. So you have to make really good use of your time when you're in there. And so I try to coach them on what to say, how to say it, to get the care that they need and to open that door a little bit. And a lot of times it actually works. I'm, I've been kind of surprised at how open some other physicians are. They just need to hear it in the right way. Mm -hmm. And the patient also to feel confident in the things that they're saying, because it's very easy to, you know, we always, I had this mentor in med school who'd always talk about, you know, doctors always think they're up here and their patient is here and they're talking down to them versus saying, okay, here we are on the same level. Here I am eye to eye with you. Like when I sit with my patients, I'm looking eye to eye with them. I don't ever stand up and talk down to them because I just mm -hmm. think that's a bad way to communicate. And so if you can open that door to this communication where you're able to say the things that you need to say, and you're confident in the things that you're saying, the physician sometimes is more receptive to that when they know that you've done your due diligence. So sometimes it opens the door, sometimes not. <laughs> Yeah, I hope. And and it I think it probably would help the other the people that are able to consult with you just to feel like they do have somebody in their corner and there is someone who wants to help them and hopefully that can give them a little more confidence to either find another provider that will work yep. with them a bit more or go and begin to make the proper lifestyle changes to to support themselves better as well. Yeah, think, yeah. Yeah, that's what, you know, that's the thing I also realized with my whole fertility journey and looking at my thyroid is like a standard doctor never once says anything about diet. And my endocrinologist was actually a vegan. So <laughs> yeah, not a good fit. <laughs> yeah. She told me to quit taking my organ meat supplements because those were like dirty and had metals in them. I'm like, Oh Lord. But then I saw like vegan, like propaganda in her office. I was like, Oh, I, I see where this is coming from. Yeah. She was really sweet. I mean, she even, once my son was born, she heard about it and actually called me to congratulate me. Oh. Like she's super, super sweet, but just a little misguided on the nutrition yeah. side. <laughs> well, I think too, it's like uh, for a lot of physicians, especially in the conventional system, there's a lot of ego, like, okay, this is the way I've always done things and mm -hmm. this is the way it is. And there's no other possible way. And 
I think any doctor can run into that, right? Naturopathic doctor, conventional, whatever. And I think it really just takes having an open mind. Like Mm -hmm. when I first started learning about the carnivore diet, I'm like, no way, like, no way. Like, what is this? You know, and and Naturopathic Medical School is all about like half your plate needs to be vegetables, all of these things. So I'm like mind blown, but I was like, well, what better way to figure it out than to try it myself? So I usually use myself as the experiment first, kind of see how things go. And then if things go well, I'm like, all right, let's try it with a couple of my patients and see what happens. So you have to have an open mind and realize that things that you've learned, you've learned them from other people who've learned them from other people who've learned from other people, right? right? And that doesn't necessarily make it true. So observation is one of the main things we can do in science and in medicine. So uh, try things and observe, test them out and see what happens and just be open to the possibility that sometimes everything you know is wrong. <laughs> exactly. That's that's a tough place to come to, but yeah. I think it can be also very freeing when you let go of a lot of that stuff, that's kind of holding you back and you're willing to try new things. You're like, okay, that's kind of where my, my yoga teacher friend is at right now. She's like, I've been vegetarian for 20 years and I am majorly suffering. And I was like, listen, you don't necessarily need to go carnivore. In fact, I'm not going to really recommend that you do that immediately. I would like you to let go of the nuts and seeds. I'd like you to add a lot of red meat, but you know, you can keep your squashes and fruit and stuff like that, like apples and cherry, you know, that's fine. Keep that, but let's let go of the nuts and seeds and some of the more inflammatory foods. And and she's big into like kale smoothies and (laughs) tons of cruciferous veggies. And so I'd love to hear your stance on how those foods can really work for, or I think kind of a against yeah, my bias, I would say, against yeah. <laughs> thyroid. What are your thoughts on that medical medium say, protocol? Oh yeah. I get, yes. So much, <laughs> you know, the internet is an interesting place, isn't God it? Bless like, it? God bless it. <laughs> right. It's like information overload and you can pretty much find anything to serve whatever mm-hmm. your bias is. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but I have found, I mean, that was one of the main things that when, you know, when I was first learning about carnivore and animal based, I'm like, well, we need our vegetables, right? It's good for our gut. We need all these antioxidants. We need X, Y, Z, right? And I'm like, okay, we'll try it out yourself. Test your blood, right? See how you look before and after. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, I have several folks, several folks who came in doing kale smoothies, right? And I was like, okay, take out, take out all salad, right? Instead of going, doing an elimination diet, doing this, doing that, they were doing, you know, fairly eating fairly clean, whatever that means, but (laughs) eating fairly well. And, but they were doing a tons of, tons of, you know, salads and tons of veggies. And I'm like, just cut them out for a couple of weeks, see what happens. And almost always their gut got so much better, less gas, Mm -hmm. less bloating, better bowel movements. And they're, cause that's always the concern, right? If I cut out the vegetables, how am I going to poop? Yeah. How am I going to be able to poop without vegetables? And I'm like, dude, my poops are way better (laughs) on animal based without all those veggies. And people just don't realize it. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, if you go animal based or carnivore, that you won't have any, you know, bowel issues. And, you know, some people still have problems and that's usually related to something else. We know with thyroid, right? That parasols is a little bit slower. We don't move things as well. So you got to balance out thyroid and do those things. But I find that taking out, you know, most of the vegetables has a, beautiful impact on their gut, which is one of the main things we have to treat in order to regulate the thyroid. Cause we know leaky gut is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. So if we take mm-hmm. that piece out, the things that are irritating it, all those cells lining the intestines, they heal up beautifully and people are able to, then once the gut's healed, right, then they can test things out and see how they feel. But I tell you what, a lot of them will try it and they're like, Nope, didn't work for me. I'm not adding that back in. So yep. it's great <laughs> not having those. <laughs> 
I love that. Yeah. It's, it's like so counterintuitive. And the first time you hear it, you're like, nah, but <laughs> you try it for yourself. And you're like, oh, wow, this is, yeah. there's something to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That was my first thought. I'm like, oh, we're not supposed to be eating kale, but it's like, once you, once you try it out and you start thinking about the logistics of it, right? Like, First of all, you don't find broccoli growing in nature Mm-mm. like that. That's man-made. You don't find cauliflower growing in nature. It doesn't mean that those things are bad, right? Like you can right. still have them if they serve you well, but you know, I just think of it from, okay, well, where would I find this thing in nature and how often would I actually be eating it? Like, do I ever walk in the store and be like, dang, that kale looks so amazing. No, 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 no. <laughs> but that steak coming off the grill. Heck yeah. I always yeah. want that. So you know, leaning into like, you know, what is my body truly craving? Now cravings can be a difficult thing. Mm -hmm. If you're eating a standard American diet, you're going to have cravings that you're not supposed to have. But when you go back to the basics, it's like, oh yeah, this is it. And I saw, I don't remember what show it was, but this lady was feeding her dog a, a vegan or vegetarian diet. And they took her, took the dog on a show and had two bowls one with the vegan food in it and one with like some meat. Uh-oh. And she's like, oh, he's going to go for the vegan food and right to the meat. <laughs> and I was like, oh, intuition is strong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my six month old, we just started him on a little bit of food and his first food was bone marrow and mm-hmm. he loved it. I mean, you would have thought I was giving him ice cream. Like he was just <laughs> like squealing and just so excited and happy. And I'm like, yeah. Cause the doctor was like, start them on like sweet fruits and apples yeah. and bananas. And I'm like, that's I, okay. Well, eventually I'll try some of those, but I'd like to go more savory with him yeah. and try like meat on the bone and, and, and things like that. Yeah. I mean, because those things are really, really nourishing and helpful for babies yeah. and for all of us. And we're so drawn, you know, thought thinking about these plants and plants are the most healthiest things and this, that, and the other. And I think you can have, like, I look at things differently now. I used to be a big, huge before I kind of got into the alternative alternative. Cause I figure what I do is like, not even alternative. It's like <laughs> double alternative. Um, <laughs> where I got into alternative, alternative health. Like I would look at what Dr. Hyman would say is like, meat is a condiment. Most of your plate is vegetables and meat is a condiment. And now I'm like, most of your plate is meat and the plants yeah. are a condiment, you know, like that's how I feel like it ideal for most people is going to look like. And if, if someone hears that, then, and they're like, no, that sounds terrible. I would ask them to look at maybe their stomach acid levels, look at their digestive function, because yeah, if you're, if, if you're like, I can't ever digest that, I'm like, yeah, you probably probably a gut issue there. And that can be thyroid related as well. Right. Yeah. That was actually a main, a major problem for me for like a year. I didn't eat hardly any red meat because every time I ate it, I would be in such severe gut pain. Like Mm. I thought it was like, there was times where I was like, I might need to go to the hospital. It was that severe. Wow. And then I learned that I had low hydrochloric acid, Mm -hmm. which is very common with people who have Hashimoto. So I started supplementing that for a little bit. Now I'm not on it anymore. I only needed it for a period of time. Yeah. I did it for six months and then I didn't need it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But the first time I ate red meat with taking that and I didn't have pain, I was like, oh my gosh, like I have really been missing this. And it was so nice to get back to it. So yes, that can be a huge issue for people with Hashimoto. So if you're someone who feels like, you know, you have pain or you have digestive issues every time you eat meat, especially red meat, then that might be an enzyme issue, could be hydrochloric acid issue, and that needs to be addressed. 
I'll yeah. tell you, most of the time when I tell patients, I'm like, add more red meat back in because they all think red meat's bad, right? Bad. Oh, yeah. But they've been it's taught, the devil. right? Yep. Yeah, yep. it's going to cause heart disease and cancer and all these things, which we know is not true. But when I tell them that and I follow up with them, they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so good. And I'm loving adding this back in. And you just see them light up because they finally get to eat a food that they were told was bad for them. And exactly. it's such an amazing transition. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, yeah. It, it just makes me happy. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you get to eat food and love it and enjoy it and get nourished. So that's all I want. <laughs> yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I, I feel like we've talked about so many awesome things. I would love to hear just kind of to, to wrap a little bit. What do you think in kind of order of destructiveness is, is like the worst for thyroid health? Anything just off the top of your head, like What's the worst that people are, are doing constantly? I know. (laughs) There's so many things. What about for the thyroid? But I would say probably the overarching thing that can kind of be broken down and applied to a a lot of different things is really stress Mm. because stress comes in a lot of different forms a mental, emotional stress, physical stress. And when we think physical stress, that could be an injury, but it can also be physical stress from the foods that you're eating. Mm. So if you can figure out the things that are stressing your body and making your body feel not well taken care of, that will eliminate a lot of the problems that you're having. So focus on wherever those stressors are coming from physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, whatever it might be, address those little by little, and you'll probably see a lot of improvement. I love that. I think that's such a great place to wrap because yeah, people are so quick to micromanage food and micromanage this and micromanage that, but they don't realize the amount of stress that that's causing them. That's probably contributing even more to the overall issue. And so I think that's something that we have to really look at. Perfect doesn't always get us to help. No, you know, no, no, yeah. rarely, rarely yeah. does it. It's, it's about balance, but no balance in a way that your body recognizes. And that is specific to you, right? Exactly. We're all the same in certain, you know, to a certain level, but there's nuance there and knowing, you know, everyone knows their body better than anyone else. I tell my patients that all the time. So mm-hmm. listen to it, pay attention to it when it's telling you something is up, figure it out and go for it. I love that. So where can people find you if they want to work with you or do an educational console? What's the best way yeah. to go about that? Probably Instagram because all my stuff is on there. So it's Dr. Stone AZ. So Dr. Stone AZ is going to be my handle. And then through the link in bio, you can schedule virtual consults. You can apply to be a part of my group coaching program, mm-hmm. get a copy of my book in there. So all my resources are there. So that's probably the easiest place. If you're not on Instagram, you can go to my website. It's just drstoneaz.com. And there's lots of information there too. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure to include that in the show notes for everybody so they can find it easily. And thank you so much for being here and chatting with me today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. I'm I'm glad we finally got to connect in person instead of just on the internet. <laughs> me too. Me too. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Stone, all of her information down in the show notes. If you are interested in working with her, getting a consultation, she's just a fantastic person. And I really, really enjoyed talking to her. I'll have to bring her back on another time. If you enjoyed this episode, quick reminder to share it with a friend or family member and, or leave me a review over on Apple or Spotify so that this show reaches more and more people. I would greatly appreciate the review and a little shout out 
to my 21 day leptin reset program a really, really helpful program if you're looking to work on the thyroid. This can actually be immensely helpful for people who suffer with autoimmune issues, thyroid issues, weight issues, and you can always use the code podcast to save on that program. And one more thank you to my sponsors for making today's episode and all of the editing. Hopefully all of my stuttering got edited out. I really appreciate my editor and that is made possible by my sponsors. The first one is going to be Viva Rays, my go-to source for circadian glasses. You can use my code YOGI to save 15% over at Viva Rays. And the second one is going to be Optimal Carnivore. Make sure to check out that brand new landing page down in the show notes, but is going to give you the opportunity to save on bundles from Optimal Carnivore. Love their bone joint restore product. It is amazing. And then upgraded formulas, my go-to source for understanding the mineral balance within the body. Use my code YOGI12 or YOGI if you've used that one before. And thanks again so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day and I will talk with you again next week.